Well, one of the things that um, there is in the end is that you can find beauty in all these evil aspects or these uh, um, ideas of what is evil or not. So I thought that put that uh, child with his face uh, in a perfect situation would have been like not to accept him like it is, you know? And also, in a way, the, the kid. Uh, I think uh, the redeeming aspect of that is that the kid gets to has to in real life. He has to wear a mask, and in the other world, it's like he's freed from that uh, constraint, you know, and, and, and he's finally able to be himself. But um, I mean, he's a sweet kid. Why would he have to be beautiful? That would be like the Beauty and the Beast thing. It's like, no, you don't have to be beautiful to be nice. That's one of the things <laughs> I don't understand from the from the ending of Beauty and the Welcome back to another episode of The Fear of God, your favorite podcast that airs on Tuesdays, hosted by people named Nathan and Reed. I am the Reed in that said pairing. Typically with me is one Mr. <laughs> Nathan Rouse, but uh, he's adopted. And so because he got adopted, he is, uh, you know, he's found a home and he's left. And so uh, so he's in the process of moving into into some new home and... Um, so I'm very happy for him that he's finally found people who will accept him for, for who he is. All one, six, two, two, three, burly. Oh my gosh. One, I don't know what that two, is, but three, oh, man, I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand what's happening. One, this is, this two, is bizarre. I d- three, like it out. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, it's, awesome. What's hilarious oh. is just how ignorant we both just came off. Cause you were just like. But Nathan's adopted. Nathan adopted. Like, it was just really funny the way you said it. Like, like I know you did not intend this whatsoever, but I was like, man, that sounds like real dismissive of people haven't been adopted. And then, <laughs> but, which you weren't at all. You were just trying to make a funny about no. the orphanage. And then me, yes. anyone who is a native Spanish speaker, definitely, or a, uh, you know, just a relatively decent Spanish speaker will hear my attempt at the knock on the wall <laughs> interpretation and be like, all Nathan's doing is going blah, 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 blah. And, and I'd be like, yeah, you're right. All I'm, all I'm doing is blah, 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 you know, cause I really don't know what she says. <laughs> so dismissive of other cultures. Yeah. I don't know what they said. They said like, uno, dos, tres, blah, 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 blah. blah. <laughs> That's what it sounded like to me. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. Wow. We guys, started this one guys, off on a good foot. Any, we, we are not intending to be offensive to anybody. Uh, people who got adopted. That's just how it happens. Spanish-speaking people. <laughs> we are not, not, nothing. Uh, no, no offense intended to anybody. But you are boy, all welcome a, at the table. <laughs> uh, so, sincerely, hi. Hi, Nathan. Hey, How's man. Going, buddy? My, my paperwork uh, went through, so... 
Oh, good. I'm good. good. I'm good. <laughs> I, I officially got adopted finally. I got chosen. <laughs> All those other kids that got left behind are going to die a miserable, terrible death. <laughs> oh, my gosh. At, 30, at 38 years 38, old, you finally woo! got... Finally got adopted. Finally. I knew it was possible. Yes. <laughs> wow. Um, All right. But no. So, so as listeners uh, may or may not know, that was a a very uh, uh, so, somewhat tacky and definitely <laughs> definitely clumsy <laughs> um, pun about today's film, which is the 2007 film directed by J. A. Bayona. Uh, that that is how you say his name. I'm pretty All sure. All right. Um, is uh, the orphanage, which we actually referenced in our very first pilot episode of the show, as a film that is uh, very, very beloved by you and beloved by me as well. Hopefully, beloved by all. Who you know, you want to know something fun, Reed? What you know, we've 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 already stumbled in, or I stumbled into this sort of experience with having referenced in episode one Emily Rose, and then having my, I don't know, just. Not it, you know, the follow-up experience didn't quite live up to the memory. Mm, Guess what? Mm, mm-hmm. The orphanage does. Oh, I was so going to say, don't tell me that you didn't like say, this movie. Oh, oh no, brother. Um, <clears throat> that said, before we get too far down, uh, down, down the path, down the adoption process here, um, you know, uh, <laughs> what number <laughs> these is puns this? are going to get us Do in you know? so much trouble? Uh, they are. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> we're going to get our first uh, negative review just because someone's like. They don't know anything about the adoption process. How rude. <laughs> oh um. <laughs> I know. Please, please show us grace. Um, yeah, no, so so seriously, the this is episode 78. Episode 78. 78. Yeah, we had a good God. We had a good time last week with the Shinnin. The Shinnin. <laughs> you want to get sued? So, um, we sh- we should introduce this before we get into our our uh, typical deviation. So, we are I mean, do you want to do you want to introduce the sort of series we're opening up here? Uh y- yeah, I will. I don't have a hashtag we'll for it, I but mean, yeah, I'm excited. A, well, I, I mean, I, I I led the way online with it. So, you're you you can pick up the baton if you want to or <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I uh yeah, so yeah, why don't we go ahead and and tell everybody what uh, hashtag #del toro 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 is all is all about. I mean, in um, case they were so- unclear. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we are going to be starting a series. Uh, it actually kind of officially starts next week, uh, but this is kind of a, a preamble, prologue. a prelude, a prologue to the series that we're going to be doing, exploring some of the most iconic works of recently Academy Award winning director Guillermo del Toro. Um, so yeah, we, we've toyed with the notion of covering some of his works, uh, for a while now, probably since the first year of the show. Um, and now the time has come. We felt it, uh, absolutely appropriate given the recent lauds that he's been receiving. Um, so yeah, we're going to be, do you want to tell them what we're covering or want to let that be a surprise? You mean today or in general? Cause I was going to say, we pretty spoiled. <laughs> we pretty much spoiled what uh. we're covering today. <laughs> No, uh, that's true. No, no, I mean the Del Toro series. Well, it's I, so I think the, it's totally fine. We're going to cover um, Pacific Rim. No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, no, yeah. uh, Pacific Rim, Blade <laughs> Two, Mimic. Wow. And, uh, and then, yeah. No, unless things change dramatically, the plan as it currently stands is Devil's Backbone next week, uh, and then uh, Pan's Labyrinth. Uh, Hellboy. Now, those we're not totally sold on the sequence of those two yet, but finishing up with sure. um, the recently uh, awarded best director and picture uh, Oscar 
uh, winner, The Shape of Water, um, which we yes. discussed several weeks ago, uh, at least once or twice over the last few months. Yeah, see, the, the, the film has been sort of trying to sneak its way into the podcast for a little while now, so we might as well just go ahead and, and, yeah. and just, just dive embrace into it. The Shape of Water. Embrace yeah, it just, like Sally Hawkins to the, to the monster. <laughs> I mean, just... Yeah. So, yes, we will be discussing those films in the future. And, you know, you, you, you referenced The Orphanage being a sort of uh, prologue, if you will, or we could make an easy case that The Orphanage is actually an epilogue to hashtag parenting fail. Which began with, which began <laughs> exactly. with we need to talk about Kevin followed through with The Shining, which also served as Quarterly King Three. We're just everybody gets a title. Yeah, every, everybody gets multiple titles. Yeah, every, every it's you just, get a title and you get a title <laughs> and you get a title. <laughs> you know what? Speaking of that, let's move into what you're watching. Oh, what you're reading. Ooh, what are you listening to? Goodness gracious. Um, so we this are back. getting even we more ridiculous. Yes, yes, everybody. it is. It is. <clears throat> Listeners will maybe put together that we go uh, uh, several weeks between recording, even though we release an episode every week. And sometimes, you know, just the first one back, it's a little rocky. It's a little, you know, the, the on-ramp is cluttered. They're doing some some road work on the ramp, and we're just trying to get back on the highway to figure out what we're doing. Trying um, to find some, uh, trying to find our bearings and trying to yeah. get into our more our more professional mode, because yeah, our mode just exist. as friends is uh, is even more absurd than the stuff that you hear on the show. Sure. But, uh, um, but so, yes, indeed. So I made a joking reference that, you know, to, to what you just said about you get a title, you get a title. So I did go see Reed. I did see A Wrinkle in Time. I referenced mm. a couple of weeks ago. That was an Oprah reference, by the way. That was my segue to get yeah, there. Yeah, of course. You caught that. Okay. I actually uh, knew when you picked up on my reference, I knew where you were you going. You knew it. You knew it. I knew it. I was like, go. That's go. why we're friends. Iron out that wrinkle. Because you right. know how yeah. I, much I love Oprah. And here we are. I know. Um, she, she, she gave you all the things. She did. She did a car, you know, warm, <laughs> yeah. warm fuzzies at that speech at the Golden Globes. Wow, um, a, a pretty ostentatious get up and a wrinkle in time. So, <laughs> yes, I did see a wrinkle in time, as I think we discussed a few weeks back. I have not read the book. Um, <clears throat> do you want my assessment of wrinkle in time? Or? Yeah, please do. I have okay. not seen it yet. Um, I, I wanted to go see it. Plans sort of changed for us on the night that we were planning to. I wanted to go see it, but uh, I have read the book, so I can. So I know the story. Um, sure. But uh, but yes, yeah, so, uh, go ahead and tell me your assessment yeah, of the film. Yeah. Spoil and, anything or not that you want. Well, I, I mean, you've read the book, so I, I don't. I honestly have no idea how it compares. Um, it's funny as I've processed this movie. I think about the wall you and I sometimes hit in our David S. Pumpkins reviewing, you know, like mm, this, mm-hmm. this yeah. way in which the actual metric doesn't actually honor your sort of total experience. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We and run into that I all think, the time. I think one of the things that's so disheartening about the culture we live in these days, whether it's related to movies or, uh, I, I suppose it would primarily be a pop culture kind of moment that I'm referencing here is that a thing has to either be good, bad, or perfect. You know what I mean? Sure, like, like, right. yeah, yeah. There aren't, and, and honestly, as someone who even minds these things, like Rotten Tomatoes kind of hurts us, right? You know, like, yeah, you yeah. look, you look for this very specific kind of metric to determine the qualitativeness of a thing. Where I'm going yeah, with this course. is a wrinkle in time has so much positive about it. 
But one of those things that is not positive about it is the sort of general narrative propulsion, <laughs> which is okay, sure, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. a little bit bad, right? I mean, as far as mm-hmm. that's not a great thing when you're dealing with a piece of storytelling. Um, but there's so much sort of good stuff like wrapped up in you know the the. If, I don't know if I'm making any sense at all. And so it's, 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 you are to me. Yeah. I think it's too, I think it's a shame. I saw someone, and this is a mutual peer of mine and yours actually recently give an incredibly dismissive sort of few sentence review of it on, on, you know, the social medias and, and use the phrase, which I hate all oh, hot garbage. I'm like, this is, this is so stupid. Don't mm. say things <laughs> like that. You definitely look less smart than you are. Um, you know, so so I guess all of this to say, I, I think a person who came away from a wrinkle in time and really wasn't that big a fan, I would say, no, I, I get it. I understand. Um, and I'm not even necessarily saying I am a big fan. I am saying I went yeah, sure. with my wife and my two eldest daughters who are seven and nine. My kids loved it. They were uh, wrapped up in it emotionally. Um, there, there were some intense moments. You know, I could recognize the weaknesses and still find some really good stuff to enjoy about it um the casting is strong the visuals are just mesmerizing in places Mm. having read the book this won't be much of a surprise to you but the the whole you know the trailer uh, positions the story as the search for chris pine's father character well right right just that whole journey is real lovely to me you know just Mm. the the Mm -hmm. pursuit of this father figure to the yeah. point that I don't know that this is a spoiler for the book, but they reunite. I mean, I presume this happens mm. in the book. It does. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that scene is incredibly moving. Like mm. the performers yeah. really sell it well, and you can tell it was directed with care. It is a really beautiful moment. Um, the actor, little actor who plays Charles Wallace is great. And mm. really like, there were moments where I was like, dead gum kid. Like he is, you know, he, 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 he is really selling it. So anyway, that's a, that's a long winded way of a sort of endorsement. If that makes any sense. Sure. Like, sure. Yeah. I would, I would maybe, unless you're a person with kids or have a lot of investment in the story. Like if you love the book and maybe are really worried the movie didn't get it right. I might say, you know what? It, it might be one you wait on. Like in yeah. my case, though, I've got daughters. I wanted them to see a heroine, a young heroine. I wanted to support Ava DuVernay. Like these were reasons worth going and just sort of even knowing like I, I knew enough about how it was being received to sort of temper a lot of expectations. Right, anyway, right. I'm talking a lot about A Wrinkle in Time, which I saw. <laughs> and that's my general assessment of it. <laughs> sure, sure. No, I understand. Um, I did, I did, uh, I will say this. I did read the book. One thing that I would encourage you of, like, what you described, if somebody said that they walked away from that experience with the book, uh, that's that's not too dissimilar. I do, oh, really? I do really love the book, but there's some sort of narrative propulsion I won't call them problems, but there's some narrative propulsion hiccups because the the book is very full of ideas. And yes. so sometimes okay. that yes. gets in the way. But I will say that that w- uh, speaking of ideas, I'll say this, and then I'll move on. Um, speaking of ideas, though, that um, the one of the things I did find interesting and mildly disheartening, but it but it just depends. It all just depends on the context. Madeline Leingle was a very outspoken Christian. Right. Uh, it is sure. my understanding that because the book has 
very specific like scripture verses get quoted it is it doesn't have an altar call at the end of the book but there's a very right. uh, obvious and overt sort of christian language kind yes. of theme yeah, that you. that uh laces into the book that from my understanding was largely excised from the film um not that i have really any any issue or problem with that i always just have to see the film and see if the film works on its own merits this is the adaptation right. that they made but uh, but yeah, I would encourage uh, readers who had any mild interest in the in the film but have not yet read the book, like yourself, right. to seek out the book, read it. Um, I do I do adore the book. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. Well, uh, and you you that's a, that I, I think um, I, I actually did not intend to spend ten minutes talking about this, but you assessed it well unintentionally by saying, yeah, it is a movie of ideas more than story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like like. Yeah. Like I, having not known what the text does, I once you sort of realize this is literally just kind of characters m- going from one place to the next, not like journeying. If that makes sense, like yeah, of course, you, it's literally like you you have conversations in this place. Well, now then you go to this place and you have more conversations. Right. You know what I mean? Like yeah, so that that actually did hearten me a little bit because it's like, well, if that's if that's sort of the the flow of the the actual text, then maybe that's not that big a deviation. Um, that said, I do think they maybe politically corrected some of the ideas a little more. But but yeah, you know for yeah. and and as someone who had an investment in the book before seeing it, it like you, it's possible you would feel that loss as someone who could yeah. look at what they do say and the words they do use and the language they do employ and be able to apply. A sort of yeah. faith kind of context and construct. It, it didn't bother me that much. Anyway, so I can understand that. I I am expecting when I finally see the film, and I will. Uh, I don't know if I'll get to see it in the theater, but I hope I can. Um, but I I'm expecting a similar experience to the Narnia film adaptations, mm, where mm. the films have merit uh, and the stories themselves have merit, but there's some sort of deliberate excising of some more overtly Christian material that I do think. Uh, maybe because of my prior knowledge to it, I think sort of hinders its impact. But, you know, yeah. to each their own. Other people who don't have a connection to the source material or don't have a connection to that specific Christian language may walk away feeling, uh, you know, feeling moved and feeling like they really enjoyed it. I don't know. Um, but I will segue v- rather briefly and I won't yeah. say too much. But speaking about a, a film about ideas, uh, I saw Annihilation. Oh, man, I want to see that. Uh, Annihilation is mesmerizing. It is mesmerizing. I will warn listeners uh, that the first, say, hour or so is very deliberately paced. Um, If you saw Ex Machina, that will be no surprise to you. Um, because that film has a sort of similar pacing to it. Uh, that is not to say that it is by, by any means boring. I was never bored in the film, but that first hour, you kind of feel the, the very intentional pace. Uh, they don't, he does, the director doesn't try to infuse any sort of like, Oh, isn't this shocking or anything? There's, there's one moment near the, you know, first 10 minutes or so that sort of feels like a ramp up, but then it goes into like 45 minutes of just, searching and exploration but i will say there are some moments that made me cringe made my skin crawl and there is a sequence uh if if listeners 
have seen it. I'm this. This is not going to be a spoiler for anybody who has not don't, seen. Don't it. reference where it falls in the film because I don't. I don't want to go in. I'm not going to. Okay, no, okay. I'm not going to. No, uh, and I'm not going to give any specifics. Uh, listeners who happen to have seen the film, uh, I am talking about the bear scene. That that sequence when you finally see the film uh, is one of the most terrifying, horrifying, nightmarish, gut wrenchingly tense things I have seen in a film in recent years it wow. was that that specific sequence again when you see the film i'm talking about the bear sequence you will know what i'm referring to when you finally see the film uh that sequence was nightmarish on a level that i qu- kind of wasn't prepared for but it is a very compelling and i think very interesting film it is also a film that is almost frustratingly about ideas yeah like i would not fault somebody walking out of that film and being like what so what were they trying to say because i felt like well, that's kind of what I think the director wants you to parse out for yourself. I think that's part of what he wants you to to sort of play around with and see. Well, and I mean, what again, does this all as, up as you mentioned, like if you if you've seen Ex Machina, well, if you haven't watch Ex Machina, goodness gracious, I love yes, that movie. Yes. Um, I, I have just not been able to steal away the time to go to Annihilation yet, but I had this like one of the greatest pendulum swings of emotion recently where I was scanning Twitter and I follow the movie critic, Matt solar Zeitz. I don't know if you know who that is, but I actually think he, yeah, yeah. I could be totally wrong, but I think he inherited Ebert's website, but, um, someone mentioned to him, they said, Hey, are you going? Cause he loves annihilation. Someone tweeted to him. Are you going to broadcast to folks that annihilation is available on Netflix? And I was like, what? And so of course I, I immediately go to Netflix and look, and I right. can't find it. No. Well, no, it is just not in the states. Oh, it is I see. like in I see. Canada and outside the U.S. It is right now available to stream on Netflix. Wow. And I was it's like, the US. oh god, you know. So you have that like five second blip of sweet. I'm gonna watch that tonight at home. I know, I know, I know. Just move to Canada. Just move yeah. to Canada and I mean, then watch. I do it think about that back. a lot these days, but <laughs> I don't know. You know, I don't need to move back. No probably kidding. not for a little while. Oh no, kidding. Anyway, so uh, do you have do you have more? Nope, nope. That's it. Like you've heard my qualifiers. Go see Annihilation if any of that sounds interesting to you. Well, that all right, ladies. And gentlemen, has been another episode of What You Watching. Boom, 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 da, da, da. boom. What You Reading. What You Listening To. Axe to the chest. Oh, man, oh, man, oh, man. All so, right, read. Yeah, so. Now, so 30 minutes finished. later. Yep. We are going and to, I'll, I think we just did our, our what you're watching so long because we wanted people to forget just how poorly we engaged the concept of adoption at the top of the episode. Yes, yes, um, yes. Much of, which, uh, much of which may get excised, but we'll see. Oh, um, no, it's fine. <laughs> we show grace to everyone, even ignorant folk like us. Um, <laughs> Please. So, yes, as, as the first, as the prologue to hashtag del Toro Toro Toro, or the epilogue to hashtag parenting fail. We are today discussing the orphanage. Yes. Reed. Nathan. I don't know. I don't know. I, I've thought about this all day. Oh boy. Like, I'm just going to warn you this. There may be all fives 
of David S. Pumpkins. I'm just telling you right now. Oh, okay. All right. Actually, All right. It might, it might go there. Uh, and and Way the way our conversations usually. Hey, I'm here. You know, like <laughs> I want to get. I want to. I want to get adopted. I got to get out of here, man. Um, you know. <laughs> you know the way our conversations usually go, where you tend to have an upswing in your rating system. Um, There's nowhere to go for you. Go. <laughs> right, right. You're already sitting on the roof. You're already like, there, oh man. There I is. Don't know. There is a little. Uh, we'll, we'll see when we get there. There's. I might not have a five on one of my categories, but we'll see when we get there. So yes, yeah, we are okay. talking about the orphanage today. Reed, I. I love this movie. Oh, this I is, saw this is a wonderful movie for the first time on video. Whenever it first hit video, this was before sure. our oldest child was born. So this is ten years ago now. Oh gosh, yeah. That was back when my wife watched scary stuff with me, and <laughs> she didn't. Any, she doesn't anymore. Um, now, how many did you see it in the theater? Not in the theater. No, I saw it uh, like almost the week or two after it was released to home video. But, um, but yeah, I, I didn't, I missed it in the theater. I think because at the time, uh, it wasn't, I, I wasn't finding it anywhere near me, uh, locally, which is odd because I did live in LA at the time. So I'm sure it was playing somewhere, but I, I couldn't find it anywhere. Can I tell a funny story real quick? Please do. Inspired by the movie, not necessarily related to it, but this happens more than once in the film, but the first time it's very towards the beginning when Laura, wakes up to the to the sounds of simone somewhere and carlos half asleep says i'll go it's my turn yeah you know and then he dozes back off so that made me laugh because our first child who is now nine years old so if you have kids especially if you're a mother and you have kids listening to this don't judge me too harshly but you know how crazy those first days are so our very first kid the very first week the very first few days she was home my wife, who generally is not like a, a huge um, morning person, you know, mm-hmm. like she's a don't talk to me until I've had my coffee type of person. Right, One right. of those first mornings was particularly noticeably more that than normal, more like mm. angsty at me. And like it was sure. sure. Hey, you're you're a man. You're married. You've been for a while. I know, yeah. You know that feeling when you can tell it's directed at you? Like, they're not just, like, yes, irked. Yes. Like, it's, like, radiating at you, you know? Something, yes. Um, they look at they look at you with a tone. They don't even have to look that, at you, but yes, 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 yes. You can feel it. Like, the spidey sense mm-hmm. is tingling. Well. <laughs> I did something. I don't right, know what right, I did right. yet, well, but I did no, something. It, that's exactly it. So, Carlos made me laugh because one of these very first mornings, my wife, on, on, on a particular AM is like just radiating. So the, the, the husband sense is going off and I'm like, what, what's up? You know, brand, <laughs> brand new baby at home. Like, Hey, you, you feel ugh, at me. And she was like, <laughs> she said in the middle of the night, she start the baby started crying. And I asked you if you would go take care of her. And you sat up and you said, maybe, and then you laid back down and went to sleep. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you can't get mad. I don't remember that. You I don't can't know get that. mad at me for that. Anyway. I know. So that may no, be. my wife and I have that experience. Uh, not that specific experience because our son's six now. But but uh, we have that experience sometimes where like sometimes he will try to climb into our bed. And when he tries to climb into our bed, like he is... 
he's just like jazzercising all over our bed and kicking us in the back and headbutting us and doing all this other stuff. He's a very restless sleeper. Um, but he, uh, he'll try to sneak into our bed and some nights I am so deep in sleep. I don't recognize it until like the morning. And sure enough, we'll, we'll wake up and she'll be like, I asked you like three times, like, why aren't you taking him back to his bed? And, and I'm like, I remember none of that. Like I remember, I remember waking up and him just being there, but I don't, but I don't remember any of the interactions. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny. Um, well, uh, I have no idea how to pivot back into the orphanage. That's all right. But we'll, That's all right. <laughs> but we'll just go ahead and just d- dive right back into it. I, uh, this filmmaker, I don't know if he's, I would need to look back on IMDb, but, uh, of the three films that he has made, I love and adore all three. What else is there? Uh, That's, I, I don't so know that I know of the other ones. So he also directed The Impossible with you. Oh, and, uh, oh yes. that makes oh, a wow, lot of sense. A, I love yeah, The Impossible. No. I wept yes. like a baby. Speaking of babies, I wept like <laughs> a baby in that movie yeah. with yeah, uh, <clears throat> with Obi-Wan and Spider-Man. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, he directed uh, The Impossible. He also directed... That's um, very cool to know. Uh, some consider it last year. I consider it two years ago, uh, A Monster Calls. So, yeah, that's a... That, both did of you those notice, films... Did you notice the, the stark lack of reaction right to that? Well, yeah, yeah. Your, the, the, your, your cheers of jubilation... Your tears of jubilation at the impossible, like I just announced that you were going to win yeah, the lottery or something, yeah, and yeah. then the crickets that followed the, the the monster calls. I'm just like, and he directed a monster calls, and I just hear chirp 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 chirp, <laughs> like yep. nothing on your end. I did see. I it. loved a monster I, calls. I, I, I loved I, it. it I, for some reason, I, I might have to give it another chance, but it, it did not connect with me. I, I had not I read the book, so I didn't, I didn't know it, but. But yeah. that is interesting to know. So, yes, cool. I have seen all three of the movies that he's made, yeah. if, unless there are others. Yeah, I don't know of any others. Those are the three main uh, main ones that I know of. There may have been others. I just I would just need to look up IMDb to to know for certain. But yeah, but the orphanage, um, the orphanage is a powerful film. It is a deeply affecting film, and it's to be honest with you, when we get to which we hopefully will soon. I'm struggling a little bit to kind of understand all of my feelings around it to the degree that like some things I know very clearly. Yes, this is how I feel about it. This is what I think about it. And then there are some elements that I'm like, man, I do not know. I, I honestly uh, like uh, my affection for the film is unqualified. I absolutely love the film, but there's some elements in the film that, that, uh, I don't know. I'm kind of a, I'm kind of of two minds, a bit torn about it, but let's, let's dive right in specifically. Tell me a little bit about your first encounter with it. You asked me if I had seen it. I saw it on home video. You watched it like right after it came out. Had this, was this the only like the second time you've seen it or was it, I, have you watched it I'm multiple pretty times? sure there was another, I'm pretty sure this was my third viewing. Um, I can't okay. quite recall the context of the second one. Uh, the first one was uh, my wife and I and a, another couple on a beach trip actually with my sister too. So five of us on a beach trip 10 years ago and I, I really adored it then. And, um, you know, again, I don't remember what the second context was, but like this, <laughs> it's funny. I had, when I rewatched it for our conversation, I had, this is random peek behind the curtain of my life. Most evenings I try to get to bed at a very specific time. Uh, and so my, my clock was running out on my night and I knew the, I knew the runtime of the movie and I was like, okay, fine. I will just skim some of it. Cause I'd seen it, I'd seen it, I'd seen it twice, you know, like I know, 
I know I enjoy it. I remember general beats. Let me just get back in. and read. I got totally sucked back into it. Like I, yeah, I tried it, yeah. in places to be like, okay, I wonder if I can skip. No, it's just so captivating and it's so moody and atmospheric. Yeah. And there's so what's going to mm-hmm. happen and what happened to Simone. And even though I know yeah, already, no. um, so yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I, I was very pulled back in. It is, you know, used a word a minute ago that, that I would apply here as well. It's very affecting, you yeah, know, it is. Something I wrote down that I think, well, I will, I will, if I may, will briefly summarize the movie. Can I do that? Yeah, go ahead. Is that yeah. okay to do that? Because I don't know how many of our listeners have seen this film. Yeah. Well, one, yes. If you've not seen it, I, there aren't many I would do this because Reed and I typically have rather robust and fun conversations. I'd say listen to us talk regardless of whether you've seen the material or not. This is a very good movie. Um, I would definitely encourage anyone to watch it. It is there are very easy spoilers to to acquire if you are unfamiliar yes. with the, with the movie. And I would say if you're curious about the movie, uh, go watch it and then come back and listen to the conversation. Yes. Now that you've done that, um, so <laughs> the the story of the movie is it, it opens with a flashback, uh, a group of children, many of whom appear handicapped of some variety. Uh, playing in this the yard of this big big house a mansion-esque kind of house and one of them gets is getting adopted well then you flash forward to the present and our main character laura is that adopted child grown up she and her husband with their now adopted son uh simone simon to the sort of the anglicized version um are moving they're moving back into this big house you know all of the people who originally populated this orphanage are gone um she has and it's and it's really a lovely sort of intention i mean it's a very benevolent act you know to to come back to this space they intend to adopt multiple children you know to to Mm -hmm. sort of they, they never get so far as to stating this but the idea is ultimately to sort of reopen it as a type of orphanage for them right well um simone you learn uh is hiv positive he doesn't know that and he also doesn't know he's adopted at the outset of the film Uh, a sequence of events happens early in the movie where he goes missing and sort of threading the backstory is what happened to the rest of these children after laura was adopted from the orphanage um it it becomes this kind of centerpiece mystery um in a really positive way. And so you're sort of, as a viewer, you get wrapped up in the mystery of what happened to these kids. These little clues get doled out as any good sort of mystery story does. But, uh, uh, genre wise or subgenre wise, it's a ghost story. And right. What you, there, there's some incre- in, incredibly effective sort of visuals, uh, some great direction. The actress who plays Laura is very captivating to watch she and her husband have a really lovely relationship kind of until they don't <laughs> she starts getting more and more desperate to find her son uh because in the yeah. in the timeline of the movie 9 months pass before any sort of concrete evidence of his you know sort of dis- of what happened to him uh, presents itself the movie sort of finalizes with um, you you get some real direct context and resolution to the what happened to the kids 30 years ago storyline. And you learn very um, huge spoiler alert. You learn very directly what happened to the son. And mm-hmm. what's really amazing about this movie, and we can talk about this some, what's one of the things rather that's really amazing about this movie is the incident with the son and what happened to him is not directly 
I'll, I'll, I'll state this and then we can qualify it if we need to. It's two, okay. it's two separate stories. You know, the, oh, absolutely. the, the disappearance yeah. of Simone, you think because of the nature of the movie and what you're presented in our sort of conditioned way of watching and consuming stories right. is, is going to be and is quite entwined with the story of these children from 30 years ago. It's not at all. And, and that's right. one, of the, one of the big sort of pull, rug pulls. Well, what you learn is inadvertently, and this is where Reed alluded a minute ago to mixed feelings, and I can totally understand that, Laura, you learn, and she learns, is directly responsible for not just the disappearance of the son, but the death of the son. Uh, what Ugh. what happens? Uh, you flash back, and you uh, in good Shyamalan six sense fashion, it fills in the gaps. What you discover. So the last time she sees Simone, they are at odds with each other. They're fighting. He has learned of his non parentage, as it were, to them, uh, and that he right. and that he is sick. He's very mad at them. He attacks her uh, in a. It, not like in a hyper violent fashion, but in a pretty kind of, you know, scary fashion. And he runs off. Well, she goes looking for him, doesn't realize she has, it's a bit complicated to explain, but the simplest version is she's inadvertently locked him in a particular room that is a basement that she's unaware of. He gets stuck yeah. in the basement. And this is why this movie is so dadgum good. Like all the thing, all the trappings of a good ghost story are there. What you don't realize is they're not ghosts. It's really him desperate to be free. And she thinks it's some sort of haunting and my goodness. So anyway, she inadvertently traps him. He gets stuck and, and, and falls, which, uh, you know, theoretically would the fall itself would probably might not have killed him, but he, well, I suppose it actually did, but nonetheless, He's in the basement of this house she's living in for nine months, and she has no idea where he's at. She has no idea that he's yes. there. You, the viewer, think he has been absconded with or has been taken by the ghost or something. It is literally he's right under her, and, and she has no yeah. idea. So the, the move the, oh. – yeah, go ahead. Well, let me the – uh, fin- the final thought yeah, that finish, gives yeah. Reed mixed feelings and should give anyone mixed feelings, but he's stated that, and so I'm referencing that, is she is so stricken with grief when she finally discovers him and discovers and realizes that it was her actions that 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 killed him that she kills herself. Um, and and yeah. the, the act of doing so has this really kind of lovely sort of poetic fairy tale, gothic fairy tale kind of sensibility to it, but nonetheless she does kill herself. So anyway, that is less brief than it probably should have been the synopsis of the movie. We can now sort of pick it apart. Yeah. I'll lead with one thought and then I want you to unpack. I texted you last night that I can't personally, and and I would love you to feed back some thoughts here if you know one off the top of your head or if you've thought about it since then. The concept of the red herring, a a story giving you a piece of information or withholding a piece of information that causes you to believe a certain other aspect is really going on. Like I, I, this movie is so stinking good at that. Like you just, you have no idea as a viewer because it entertains these traditional conventions of genre storytelling, such as, you know, she goes to what's, Oh, they go to the grief counselor session. You know what I mean? So they right. do this thing because uh, he's missing. They go to the grief counselor. Is it, an, is it a natural phenomenon? Well, that doesn't work for them. They go to the medium. So the medium shows up and in sort of good right. seance movie fashion, there's a whole sequence of that. So like they present all of the – it's a shell game. They present oh, yeah. all of the pieces yeah. of the puzzle that are, are part and parcel of this subgenre 
while having shown you, you just didn't yes. realize you were shown what happened. And, and yeah, when it finally reveals, it's so staggering. Anyway, I'm talking a lot. You talk. Well, no, uh, uh, I mean, like you mentioned this thing, red herring. I mean, I, th- I think that's the most appropriate terminology for it. But what's fascinating about it is that we, we don't need to go on a long diatribe about this. I'll just sort of briefly mention my definition. I think you'll agree with it. I think there is a difference in film between, say, a twist and a reveal. Uh, a a, tw- a twist to me is something where like the film has been actively deceiving you. The film has been purposefully making you think one thing is true when it really was not true. A reveal to me is something where the film is not actually deceiving you. It just hasn't given you all the pieces of information. Sure, yet. sure. So when it does give you the pieces of information, yes, that will recontextualize things that you have previously seen. Uh, but it's not necessarily like that the film has been sort of actively dece- been deceiving you. One of the things about this film, you did um, depthly summarize the sort of the major beats. It leads you to believe that there are ghosts. It also leads you to believe that there are that the ghosts are directly responsible for Simone's disappearance. But what I think is very, very genius about the film is that the ghosts aren't a lie. They aren't a deception. There are ghosts. They just aren't responsible for Simone's disappearance. And that is what is that pivot, that narrative pivot I found to be so brilliant. Sure. That it's like, like, yes, it's not that the ghosts were imaginary, although much of what we attributed to the ghosts is our assumptions. Is our assumptions exactly? Wouldn't you, would, you recognize? I, I will even throw a, another layer onto the, the 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 beauty that is this movie, despite how insanely tragic it is. Is again playing with these conventions. Your assumption, and once once it sort of starts dabbling and revealing the sort of ghost phenomena, and maybe you'll challenge this, and you can feel free to nuance it. Your assumption as a viewer, based on your experience of movies like this, is they are malevolent, and Right. Really, right. they aren't. I mean, they're no, they're um, you know a bit tricks, trick tricksters a little bit, but mm-hmm. but more from the right. standpoint of once you realize these are children and acting the way children mm-hmm. do, and they have their own sort of you know kind of systems that these children who know each other operate in, and the games they play and that sort of thing. But right. like you're a, right. uh, the point I'm simply trying to make is we would naturally assume ghost story, these ghosts are then malevolent because we don't realize that they aren't involved with Simone's disappearance. And and it's exactly. just, man, it just plays with those things so beautifully. Um, oh, absolutely. Well, because because the first time that you see in the film what you, th- and this, list, this listeners is why we encouraged you to watch it before coming to listen to it because some of these intricacies uh, are important and may seem a bit confusing and seem a bit, contradictory unless you see the film the first time that you see what you think is a ghost it behaves malevolently it shoves her back it, oh, it uh, you know it, it <laughs> knocks her into the bathtub it breaks her finger or at least you know causes it to bleed and everything and so like that's what you presume is the ghost so naturally you would presume the ghosts are malevolent you don't find out until that big reveal that that was actually simone in costume it, yeah. like in in a costume um and that that sort of prompted all of these these paranormal feelings or thinking that this thing happened and so yeah uh, the film as a piece of narrative storytelling is nearly flawless 
I, I know that's a bold statement, but in terms of structurally, uh, all the mechanics working together, the artfulness of the the pieces, the individual pieces coming together to make an overly satisfying whole, uh, it, it all works very, very well. Just as a film, it is exceptionally well-crafted um, because of some of the ways that it subverts these these beats that we're talking about. Um, you, you referenced earlier, and, and appropriately so, like, the reason I am so conflicted about this film, and we can unpack this, the reason I'm so conflicted about this film there is no question whatsoever about how tragic it all is. And danged if I'm not tempted to call the the ending a happy ending. Right. I, I mean, right. like, the, listeners, you'd have to see, if you have seen the film, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen the film, the the moment where she decides to take her, to, to take her life, she she decides to take her life, but I think the film almost would lead you to to a path where it says that she's kind of out of her head at that moment because she's she's discovered him it's it's all come clear to her in that moment like she she finds him but we didn't even talk about this like she's had encounters with the ghost she's been chasing these ghosts yeah yeah and and she's been chasing like she she thinks that she's chasing these ghosts to solve the mystery of her son's disappearance she is but little did she know it's not like you know she makes a bargain with them hey i'll play this game with you and then you can you'll lead me to my son so that happens and at first she thinks she's got him back at first she thinks like oh they've given me my son back and then she realizes at that moment where she takes the the sort of the mask off of his head and her breakdown when she, right. when it all comes flooding in what has happened it is utterly and absolutely devastating and so then it, you could make a case that she's kind of out of rational thought when she takes all these pills she's she's got his medicine that he was taking because he was sick and she's got the that medication she begins to take a whole bunch of the pills and when I was watching the film, I was kind of specifically being attuned to the fact that, like, it doesn't feel like a deliberate, hey, I'm disgusted with myself or whatever. Like, she's trying to get this is so devastating when I say this. Uh, she's trying to get his corpse to take them like like she's initially. She's yeah, yeah, in yeah, mouth. yeah. Yeah. She's putting them in his mouth and, and it almost could be a reading of the film that then like to kind of encourage him or show him how she starts putting them in her own mouth. And, wow. And, yeah. and then like, so there's, so there's all that going on that what, in other words, I think a case could be made that it was not so much a, an intentional suicide as, as sort of an accidental sort of, I've lost my mind. Don't know what I'm doing. Right. And sort of an accidental overdose as it were. Um, but here's where the film really messes with me, Nathan, like really messes with me is danged if not from that moment on, if I'm not like poignantly moved right, and, right. and and deeply affected by because then when that happens, Simone in her arms turns from man, we're saying these things so cavalierly, but turns from a corpse into her son again. Right, right, right. And and it's because it's because she has now died. Right. She right. is now a ghost, so she's seeing him on that same sort of play. But but he turns into her son again and he says, Good Lord, I'm getting emotional even saying about this. He says, I had one wish that you would stay and you would take care of the children. And so then she looks up and when she looks up, she sees all the orphans. Right. She sees all right. of the ghosts there and 
And then, like, the music and the sound of the children's laughter as they, it's like, beautiful. come around her. Yeah. There's nothing, there's nothing horrific about it. Right. It's, it's all, it's all treated very tenderly. And it's just, that's why I get so, so kind of torn about the film is that there, I, I'm going to make this statement and listeners, maybe this whole episode, we just need to be shown a lot of grace because, uh, you know, I can, I can nuance some of my feelings here, but it's like, if someone were to sort of get very upset and begin to point a finger and saying this film is justifying suicide, I would be like, on one hand, I would say that's a vast, vast oversimplification of what's happening. But on the other hand, I can I can't balk against them too much because of how almost redemptive her her death right, feels right, right. to the rest of to the rest of the ghosts right. and and even more so than that even more so than that that's not the note the film ends on although it easily could have the note the film even further chooses to end on is a memorial to her and to the other lost children you know all of their names are there that she was that she was there with right. in, in the orphanage when she was an orphan and so it's a memorial to her and to the rest of them and her husband comes back to this place and he's just wandering through the rooms he finds this locket and when he looks up after finding this locket these doors sort of you know uh spectrally open up as if a ghost has or a presence sure, has just entered sure. into the room and then he looks up and this bittersweet, almost joy just floods over him and he smiles. And that's the note that the film chooses to end on. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like it's there's so many touch points that you could point at. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, honestly, I uh, I just I feel very, very sort of torn trying to balance the reality of what I know is happening with the emotional response I have to the film. If that makes sense to, to people, sure. it's like b- basing the, the tangible reality of what I know has just taken place with the emotional sensibility that the film actively gives me. It, 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 I get torn about it, but yeah, I've been talking a while. Your, your well, response. a couple of thought. you know, you've, you've sort of um, spectrally and corporeally opened the door here to, to this sort of suicide conversation. Um, and, and that's not even really tangential to the movie. It's how the movie ends. So it's worth spending some moments talking about that directly. There are three thoughts. I'm going to try to, I'm going to, uh, summarize them as premeditation, the great divorce and, and Spanish. Okay. So, I do think one thing, so premeditation. So, <clears throat> did you ever see the movie? I'm pretty sure the title of it is The Sea Inside with Javier Bardem. I have not seen it, but I know of it. And I know it's it's basic premise. Yeah, it's it's sort of a right to life kind of conversation. Right, right. Um, I really, really, really disliked that movie. Um, just because as a person sure. of faith, I really, the, the whole subject of the movie, I... I it's been a while since I've watched it, but I think he has some sort of either disease or he is crippled in some way that has severely impaired his standard of living. And I really wrestled when I watched it at the time of seeing it because as a person of faith, I just really kicked against this notion that there cannot be found reasons to live. Like, And, and, the, and the, right. the movie is entirely a meditation on this guy wanting to die and looking for 
permission basically from his caregivers that's a that's an incredibly uh abbreviated version of that movie so one thing in terms of the suicide conversation with the orphanage is as you sort of alluded there's nothing premeditated about what she does it is it is a it is you spontaneous is a bit too strong a word it's not like she's like oh there's pills let me let me do this you know it's it isn't even that intentional it i I love your sort of interpretation of that that it's almost the whole you could argue that the whole movie is about sort of a, a parental type of nurturing protective kind of idea and uh, what or at least how i understood what your interpretation was there that her taking those pills was almost just as we do with kids sometimes here look this is how you do it and and yes, you do it too yes. so that's really lovely yeah. uh, even as tragic as it is so 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 that's the premeditation thought I, I'll save the great divorce for last. So it's Spanish. I wonder if, and I'm just positing this as an idea. I wonder if you and I, as highly white uh, uh, mm. dudes, may be missing a puzzle piece culturally in in mm. the conversation. You know what I mean? Like I don't know enough. Sure, sure. It honestly, when you were talking, what popped into my head was Coco, the the Pixar movie. Oh, and how oh. like. And, mm. and not in a bad way, as in like, right? No, are I we just sort of culturally yeah. missing a puzzle piece? Would any culture esteem suicide? That's not what I'm saying. I am saying, are we just sort of culturally not in the conversation that makes it such that the the things that happen in those last five minutes mm-hmm. are emotionally significant culturally? in a way they don't right, right. that we pick up on as observers and people who value story and, and sort of resonance and all that sort of thing. But I wonder if we're just missing a piece of the cultural puzzle to really grasp. Sure. No, I think that's valid. The, the, I think that's the totally afterlife valid. reunion type of thing and conversation. The yeah. movie's trying to have, um, I agree. Pivoting from, uh, uh, the Latin culture to right back into the Caucasians of the world, the Anglos of the world with, with C.S. Lewis, I thought during this rewatch, I thought a lot about the great divorce. And I do think if there's any cautionary aspect to this movie, it's once she starts conveying such a desperation for reunion with him, with Simone, Mm, you know, mm, even mm -hmm. the, do you remember the conversation that's, oh my gosh, this is a freaky moment where she thinks she's talking to Carlos in the bed. Oh my gosh. Yes. 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 And it's very much like, I don't remember the text explicitly, but it's, it's effectively like we have to be back together. This is how we're meant to be. We're to get together, right. together, together, right. together, together. It's like she keeps that word. She probably says half a dozen times in five sentences. Sure. Right. Um, right. And I just kept thinking about, the the sort of element of great divorce about our inability to have kind of full wholeness because of some of the attachments we have if that makes sense at all right Um, Uh, yeah 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 that seems to compete with what i was trying to say a minute ago about cultural sort of whatever but that's something that made me think of was just she 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 kind of seals her fate yes with her obsession with simone like yeah the sort of the sort of lot for better or worse carlos is kind of reasonable and one might say right you know what i mean like sure it's right, been right, 9 right. months there are no clues mm-hmm. you know uh, uh police work detective work data would suggest they are not going to find this boy 
you know, yeah, and, exactly. and, and yeah, yet yeah, she, she pleads for those two days alone and that's kind of it. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, and that's and, all there is to it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So those were just in terms of the, the pure kind of taking her life aspect to it. Um, just some thoughts that were coming to me while you were sort of thinking through that, but I, but I, I, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. And I, so I, I'm going to, I'm going to rabbit trail for, for maybe two minutes here just because I want to be real explicit about this. Like it, it was interesting watching this movie in the particular season that I'm in and this, this season, uh, please God, let it be a season that there be, uh, oddly it's been going on now for, I want to say maybe six to nine months where I have, uh, more than a couple, like, uh, like probably four or five, uh, friends at, at various degrees of, of closeness to me who have actively talked about it, thought about it, at least one attempted it. And it's one of those things where I get really torn when this conversation comes up because it's something that I really desperately want whenever I hear that somebody that I love, that I care about, is struggling with, with that degree of despair and that degree of of hurt and pain and, and, and hopelessness to, to what's ahead of them. You know, I want so desperately to just yank them out of it. I want so desperately to just, to just pull them free from that. But I, but, but the English language is patently insufficient to be able to do that, let alone most, most of the time these things are either over phone or over Facebook or over something else. It's like, it's very difficult to, um, to do that, uh, in any sort of strong capacity. It is, it is somewhat interesting. I heard, uh, I heard a statistical study that was done. uh, I think it might've been like by Freakonomics or something that they, they did some tests and they, and they, analyzed some data and they basically said that one of the most effective deterrents, this is going to sound so strange, but one of the most effective deterrents to suicidal thoughts or suicidal tendencies was to call them stupid, which sounds very cold. To and call heartless, the tendencies stupid, not the person. Is yes, that what you're saying? Not the okay, person. Right, right. Yeah, never <laughs> I was like, to, wow. No, that no, but that's the thing is like it, it, it feels, it feels heartless, but they were basically saying what you do when you like normally our inclination would be to say, no, you have so much to live for. Uh, there's so much beyond this, all of that. And that's what they've convinced themselves is not possible. So what you do, at least this is what the study said. And maybe there's a more recent study that invalidates some of this because this was several years ago, but they said what you do when you call the notion of, of taking your life stupid is you attack the rationality in their own mind mm. of what they are, of what they've concluded. Right. So it's not as, as much as that would feel like a cold response to somebody who's desperately hurting that if you're just viewing the data as raw data, that to call that decision dumb or irrational actually sort of resets the tumblers to be like, oh, that's not the exp- that's not the response I was expecting right. to 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 hear about that. Now, I don't know that that's I don't know that that's true or valid or effective. I have yet with my friends that I've mentioned had the guts uh, to take that tactic. <laughs> right. But, right. Um, but it is one of those things where when we when we think about this and relating it back specifically to the orphanage, that's why I, I kind of honed in on I actively feel like in that moment she's not in her right mind sure. because 
She is, and, and understandably so, after spending nine months desperately searching for her son, she not only finds out that her son is dead, but that she is responsible oh. for his death. I mean, that like anybody would lose their mind. Anybody would lose themselves in, in coming to grips with that revelation. And so, so that's why it's like, it's not quite the same thing as like, although I think it's a totally appropriate comparison and reference, it's not the same thing as like a sea inside or the rights of life kind of thing, because it's very much a, right. uh, just sort of, just sort of, uh, you've lost yourself. And I, you know what? I'll pivot that around. Um, she's, she's, she's lost herself right. in the, in this moment. She's lost herself in her search for her son. She's lost herself. Cause another thing that really stood out to me a lot is the illusions in this film, a L L U S I O N S not. Uh, illusions right, of deception right, right. Um, to Peter Pan. Right. The language to Peter Pan, like lost boys and and the, you know, never, never land and never growing up and all these kinds of things. And and all of these sort of referential touch points to Peter Pan and to her being like the Wendy. And eventually, true enough, in the film, uh, I think she's either reading from Peter Pan yes, or words yeah. from previous conversations are coming back. And and she's becoming like the mother to the lost boys, very much right. like the Wendy character in in Peter Pan. And one of the things that I was thinking of is is really the film is about like lostness, not lostness as in like, right, right, right. you know, you, you need Jesus, but lostness as in like, I, I've lost something. I've lost myself. I've lost my son. I've lost my grip. These children are lost. All of these things like this, this, this lostness to it. And I think that is why, despite uh, so listeners out there who may have felt like, you know, we're sort of brushing past the uh you know intentional death at your own hand or the accidental death at your own hand or whatever um to me one of the reasons that i find so the 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 ending of the film so beautiful is because they have found each other yeah. there there is yeah. a foundness right. to the conclusion of the film even in when her husband comes back to the there's there's a foundness there's not a lostness there anymore there's a foundness and that i do want to dig in on because one of the things that i find so compelling about the film in general is how there is a way that you could look at it. There's a way that you could read it. There's a way that you could sort of experience the film. And as we did in texting after it, call it tragic and say, this is, this is um, just heartbreaking and devastating and utterly tragic. But there is a note of the film that I cannot dismiss of Finding the lost at the end. Now, granted, it's through this context of death. And yes, listeners, hey, listeners, we're exploring. We're not explaining. <laughs> but <laughs> right. but th there there is something in the film that really resonated with me about just th that that the lost will be found. Right. That that what has been lost will be found again. And. You know, listeners, if, if, if you've seen the film and had a very different take on it and you would say like, hey, no, they're dead. That's tragic. Don't stop trying to 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 brush over this or baptize this. I, I would I would question how actively engaged the, with the film. But the but in sincerity, like I, that's what I find. So I'll go ahead and say lovely and beautiful about when she looks around and sees the orphans there, the look on their faces. Oh man. Well, the, I don't remember the, the child's name, but the blind it. girl who comes over and starts touching her face. It's, it's oh, wrenching. My gosh. Well, you know, and, it's interesting. And, oh. Can I throw at you? Like now sure. hear me. I do. There's, there's part of me that really wants to buy in on this. There's part of me that feels like we, it might be a, a generous read, but I'm okay with it. You're a generous read. Um, I'm a generous there's, read. There's, <laughs> there's, there's a part of me that's kind of okay with that because you know, your 
reminding us of the end of the film where Carlos shows back up and there is a piece about him. I do think it's hard to reconcile some of that with the way their relationship finishes. You know what I mean? Like it is very much a a sad thing, but I'll draw a real direct line to where you were walking. At least like she enters the land of the dead to restore these children. You know, yes, I that mean, is exactly what happens. And to solve, yes. you know, uh, it's 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 arguable that the text of the film presents the deaths of these children. Well, no, it, it's not arguable. It's definite that the text presents the deaths of these children were tragic and are, uh, you know, a quote unquote yes. case to be solved. Like, in other words, like yes. there was a mystery, there was murder, there was tread, you know, yes. foul play against these disabled, helpless children. And oh, that her sort so of bad. her sort of in, in entering into the suffering of those kids and, and by her own death kind of restores their wholeness in the afterlife if you will um so that yeah. so that is that is a that is a very redemptive read and i kind of you're a, you're a redemptive read. um <laughs> I, <laughs> I really kind of like that to sort of uh maybe maybe sidestep a little bit back to where you were ter- speaking in terms of her being out of her own mind by the end of it like that is an easy case to build too, because one thing we didn't haven't directly explicitly stated is when she, um, man, I have so many thoughts. I love this movie. Um, <laughs> two two things. One, in terms of the lostness, you you uh, uh, built the shadow. I'm gonna make the lines a little clearer here. It's it's potentially arguable that the minute she puts on that headmistress outfit yes that's it yes she's gone like like she she has kind of entered in to a whole new plane of existence if you will that's that's a sort of metaphorical read you're metaphorical you're a literal (laughs) (laughs) you can't do it every single time i can and i might um but a a a a literal scan uh would be (laughs) that and this is the more kind of heartbreaking sort of psychological side So she, she, Carlos leaves. She asks for these two days by herself in the house. She engages the children's ghosts. And one of the, oh my gosh, one of the most powerfully scary because the text of the movie means it's not scary. If you understand what's really happening, Mm. scary scenes in almost any movie is the knock on the door game, knock on the wall game. She plays with those ghosts. Yes. Because yes. And, this is part of the insane beauty of this movie is like our comprehension of the ghost genre means we are terrified. And that is an incredibly well composed and directed scene, you know, shadow and light working against the characters and the viewers. It's all one take, but Holy crap, it's scary. And yet, yes, it, it isn't because they aren't malicious entities. Anyway. um, So, she she plays this game with them, this kind of uh, uh, variant hide and seek type of scenario, um, and goes after one of them. The going after of one of them is what reveals to her this door that she inadvertently slammed shut. She opens it. She finds Simone at the bottom, and and in terms of lostness, mm. you know, to, to sort of validate where you were going, I think in terms of an almost out of mind type of thing. I invited my wife because she'd seen the movie before with me 10 years ago. And in those last 15 minutes, I said, hey, you know, she was still up. I was like, why don't you come finish this movie with me? So she comes into the room 
And what actually oh happens? My gosh. Yeah. Well, what actually happens, listener, if you don't watch the movie, but do go watch it. Uh, it's great. So she goes down the stairs. She sees a quote unquote live Simone. He starts talking to her and, and there's this really deliberate sort of lighting change. So you kind of, if you're picking up on it, it's a whole different sort of reality, if you will. Right. Um, right. So he's talking to her. Oh, you found me or we're, now we're together or whatever, you know, dialogue happens there. Well, she starts, you, you hear the children upstairs banging on the wall, sort of this, cacophony this chaotic sort of thing going on right the camera spinning all around her she's holding him against her and you know then the blanket she's holding sort of unravels in her arms and then she finds the body and so you know to your point i think it's an easy case to make oh what i was going to say is my wife came to join me and she's watching it and while while laura is is holding fake simone I don't remember what my wife said, but she was, she, the basic inquiry was sort of like, I don't remember what's going on here or something. And I was like, she killed him. Right. She, she, it was an accident, but she killed him. And my wife, she goes, she killed him. I said, <laughs> I said, I said, yeah. And she just goes, Nathan, you know, it's like, like, why did you invite me in here? This is terrible. Anyway. So, but validating your, I do not of, want to see this. Right, movie. right, right. Validating yes. your point of 20 minutes ago at this point of, you know, this sense in which whether, whether we enter the redemptive spiritual spoke of the, the conversation by the end of the movie or the psychological, like she's gone. Like she is not. Yeah a part because of that moment once she discovers the actual body on the floor and realizes she was Mm. just fantasizing this sort of thing as a random sort of technical note one of the things i find so insanely tragic about this movie is the absolutely and utterly benign and incidental way that she was responsible for his death in other words so many of the sort of parenting fails that we see in movies, you know, whether it's Jack Torrance and his alcoholism directly impacting his family or, yeah, you know, right. Tilda Swinton's detachedness towards Kevin having an impact like they have a loving relationship now. Right. Right. They they kind of are become at odds with each other just because of new information. But that's more like developmental sort of just stuff like. That would happen yeah. in any sort of relationship. So, like, yeah. there's literally nothing wrong with her. Is this, right. You understand what I'm right. saying? Like, Oh, yes. Like, she's just the person who does the absolute wrong thing for the absolute unintentional reason and has no clue she's done it. You know? Well, and it's so, like, to to your point, and I apologize if you were about no, to point you, this out even further, that, that like, the, the action by which she sort of dooms him if i can use that word is so benign right she's just she's just closing a door right and, and repropping up some stuff that that appears to have fallen i mean it is it as it is as benign as walking in realizing that somebody knocked the pillows off the couch and you just throw them back up onto the onto the couch. right and, i mean it's not the same action but it is that sort of mindless and not realizing that when she does that, that is the thing that she's done that has, that well, has and essentially so trapped him. What's so exciting, and this is what's so exciting and thrilling from a filmmaking standpoint about that moment is unless you absolutely know and have seen the movie, there is no tell there except a single yeah. point of view camera shot. Do you remember? 
which isn't even oh, yeah. meant to be looking out the yes, door. Yes, yes, which yeah. um, yes. you you could challenge this, and I'd be okay with that. I don't personally think it's meant to be Simone's point of view as much as it's simply meant to click a tiny little subconscious thing in your brain as a viewer to think, oh, that's an odd shot. Oh, now we're moving on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, totally there is, there is no yeah. tell to how that happens and your sort of comprehension that it means anything at all. Yes. No, I would agree with that. And yeah, it's, it really is a very, um, it really is a very, like we've said multiple times now, a very effective film, a very effectively crafted film. Um, and I think that, one of the things that I that I just found so deeply affecting about th- that whole scene that we keep coming back to of where she enters the land of the dead. I'm going to start yeah, saying yeah, that yeah. instead of, yeah, she enters the land of the dead. And when she enters that. And they start singing um, Un Poco Loco together. And wow, Dante's there. That is a different movie. Um so, but uh, they keep tagging back in on on the lighthouse. Yeah, and the and and when she looks, she looks out the window, and the lighthouse is actively working. It's not an an, an illusion, a trick. It, the lighthouse is actively working, and there's just so much to that moment. The musical score, right? The the framework, the sort of tenderness with with which the whole thing plays out. And uh, I'll bring in now, this doesn't mean we necessarily have to end, but I'm, I'll bring in the scripture that uh, that I was thinking of for this. Um, again, we're talking about, in so many different ways, this idea of, of, of lostness. Um, and I would even go so far, before I bring in the scripture, uh, talking about uh, uh, forgottenness, hmm. um, if you will. Like, just, you know, um, that's something that I think she struggles with Carlos about, is that she feels... Although he is basically saying, like, hey, it is time to move on. It is time to accept what what has obviously happened to our son. And he doesn't know the right, truth of what's right. happened, but that, that our son is not coming back. Um, and to her, that feels very much like a, like a sort of a, a, a forgottenness. I don't think she actually uses that word, but it's very much like, I can, you know, I can't forget him. I can't just I can't just leave. I can't move on from this. Um and this passage really stood out to me was even as I was wa- actively watching the film um, from Isaiah chapter 49 verses 14 through 15. Um, it's an outcry from the people and then a response from the Lord. It says, but Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. The Lord has forgotten me. Verse 15 says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? Though she may forget, I will not forget you. And there is something to this film, and granted, you and I have the worldviews we have. We approach these things perhaps differently than the filmmakers necessarily intend. Um, but there is something in this film that speaks to me about, hey, in the midst of your most desperate lostness, in the midst of your most desperate forgottenness, that it still all can still be made right. All right. can still be redeemed. And yes, I understand, listeners. I'm going to say this one more time, and then I'm going to stop qualifying it. I understand that we're talking about a moment in which she, you know, sort of enters the land of the dead on her on her own action, her own right, activity. Right, right, right. Uh, I do not think this film is justifying her her choice or her decision. I think there is a very intentionally redemptive sort of wholeness that is coming into her presence there with those children right. um, that, that she grew up with and that she was there in the orphanage with. And I think that is something that I would say to any, any and all of us, no matter your current state of mind, no matter your current conditioning of things, um, that 
there that all can be made right that there is uh, a very deliberate possibility that things can change that things can be restored that things can be made whole that things can be reconciled um that and the, what i love so much about isaiah's language is that he compares it to a mother um and in this film you're dealing with all orphans we don't know who right. any of these children's actual mothers are right um but in in the end ultimately they are in a sense given a mother right they are they, right. are, they are given one um and and i just i don't know i i just found it i just found it incredibly uh poignant and and moving uh and and did have this notion of of like hey everybody else will forget about you and move on they were left i mean this is going to sound so cavalier but those children were left like in in a little cabinet thing shoved into oh, the wall God. like like they were they were the definition of forgotten and right. discarded and dismissed but they were not they were not ultimately forgotten right right and 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 i i do for all the thing for all the complicated feelings that this film gives me I find that so dang beautiful well, that, I, they, that those kids were not forgotten. Well, and this is a random applaud of to the movie. I even noticed tiny things in my rewatch last night. You just referenced the scene where she finds the bodies. You you right. you you alluded earlier to the locket. That's the luck. The, the it's a saint, I believe, when Carlos gives her that locket. That's his sort of oh, yes. charm. Yes. I don't know if you catch this. When she is pulling those bodies out and doesn't know what they are at first, the second she recoils and re and upon recognition, she grabs that locket. It's a wide shot, so you wouldn't necessarily notice it, but she puts oh. her hand up and grabs that locket. It's really I do powerful. remember the moment you're talking about. Yeah. And yes. this may seem like a random thing, and, and I think you would actually validate this, um, but I wanted to tweak a statement you made a minute ago in talking about all can be made right. My personal sort of thought is is that all will be made right and and mm -hmm. and i i had this sort of feeling it's funny before you even went to that scripture that we should never be cavalier and and even my dismissal of the movie the sea inside i hope would validate this or substantiate my position on this we should never be cavalier about the value of life and that there is always Amen. hope nonetheless the king who is hope can redeem any action and will find you and all will be made right and I, I you know follow those implications as far as you want and and i might still go to the mat with you on there but or rather back you up on that and say yes but i don't know i just i just i and and it's interesting i never would have until this conversation applied and i and it would almost be too shallow to say Laura is a Christ figure. So I'm not going to do that, but it is fascinating. The more I ponder the non incidentalness that she is now a mother to an adopted child, uh, that she herself was adopted, that her intention is to adopt further, that her right, passing right. saves and and restores the lost and adopted ones. I don't know. It's a really beautiful read. Mm. You're a really beautiful read on the <laughs> on, on the on the movie. Not today, but and uh, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I could just really get behind that. I, I 
I want you to follow more heartfelt, lovely things if you want. I did feel like on a, on a podcast about things faithful and fearful, we'd be a little remiss if we didn't hit on some scary moments. Can we, can we, do you, <laughs> you know sincerely, what? do you why have any more this? lovely paths to follow? No, no. Why don't we, why don't we completely, you know, sort of up in yeah, all, all yeah. that we're used to? Why don't we, why don't we wind down with some of our favorite scary moments and then we'll introduce our David. S. Let's Pumpkins. do it. Let's, let's, hit let's it. do it. Yeah. This has been good. Um, Dude, so you referenced this earlier. You learn through the backstory that reveals itself that there was one child of these passed away orphans who was severely disfigured and as such wore this kind of really, really creepy sort of burlap sack thing on his head. Well, you. I can't remember if you see that image before this. Yeah, you do. You do. You see some image of that before this actually transpires. You see a drawing. Yeah. Yeah. So Simone has encountered these ghosts. Uh, We don't really know that for certain, um, but one of them is wearing this bag. Well, then Laura fights with Simone in the house during this big party, and Mm. five minutes later, she gets accosted by this child with this bag on its head. And as a viewer, you think, as you said earlier, you think it's that ghost. Well, then it, right. it, it is actually Simone. But nonetheless, when you don't know who that is, that is terrifying. Oh, as a, a freaky moment. Yes. The visual oh, yes. and how it plays out because it doesn't speak. Yeah. All it does is sort of attack her. And oh, my God. Yes. What's what's one for you? Uh, the biggest one for me, uh, the biggest straightforward scare is when uh, and, you know, Darn it, I've, I've forgotten the the context for her presence in the film, but that old lady. Yeah. Um, when when they see her, the, you know, around the time that Simone disappears and then they later see her like out on the street somewhere. And before you do lady, that, can I remind you what her context is? Yeah. Yeah. yeah she yeah, is. Yeah. The reason she oh, she's re- one of the workers oh, at the orphanage, well, right? not just one of the workers. The reason she reenters the story is because now that they have taken ownership of the house, she's coming to cover her tracks because she was the mother of Tomas, the baghead kid, and who they pestered right. him until That's he right. accidentally died. She killed all the other children. So she's trying to come That's cover her right. tracks. So anyway, that's her entry into the story. Now, yes. Now I remember that. Now I remember that. So, but, you know, when they, and this is before all of that is revealed, and she is crossing the street, but gets distracted and gets hit by a bus. That's not even the scary moment. Right, right. She, she she gets hit by a bus and then they're they're coming over near her and everything and then and then all of a sudden like you know her there's a a cloth like draped over her body she's dead she's gone whatever so like she they they drape this sheet over her and she's you know she's she's dead she's done but then the like rigor mortis sets in for the for the corpse and the the hand like reaches up and grabs Laura's hand and the sheet like yanks down and and so it appears like she's right, right. you know kind of kind of reemerging right. or come back to life or whatever but her face is just smashed and her jaw is like like utterly destroyed and it is this like just corpsey ghastly oh. awful awful what's face. so funny about um, that scene is and I, I think i texted you when i was watching this so i had like i said i tried to skim the movie in certain places and one of them sure, was sure. there and so i was fast forwarding it and she gets hit by the car and i knew that happened well then i was like crap i'm gonna miss some exposition so i stop 
right before the rigor mortis moment and I back up a little bit just to see, okay, gosh, let me fill in some gaps here. Totally, def- oh my God. totally defenses down because it's a dead body, right? Was, I, I didn't even remember exactly what had happened. It's a dead body, oh my defenses down. That rigor mortis moment happens. Dude, I crapped my pants. I was so yes. out of my seat. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It is scary. Oh, my gosh. It's awful. <clears throat> yes, it's awful. Um, and, uh, and I will say, uh, did, did you have any more scary moments? I do, but I'm worried it'll be what you're about to say. No, I'm not. No, oh, you, you do yours. I, you do yours. Do the rest of yours. Oh, and I'll I, just the, the last one is is knock on the wall, man. Knock on knock on the wall. The wall. Yes, like that is a freaky in freaky context and out of context. That scene is so stinking freaky. Oh my gosh, it's so, so good. Something something that happened. Yes, during that scene <laughs> when I'm watching. <laughs> When I'm yes. watching the movie, yes, I texted you this. Yes. So when I'm when I'm watching the movie, at the moment that I'm watching this movie, uh, my wife and son are asleep in the other room. Uh, as I foolishly, so you think, utterly foolishly, uh, decide to do most evenings is I, you know, usually dim the lights, sometimes turn them completely off, and uh, so all the lights were off, and I'm sitting here watching this movie, and then during that mother effing scene. Suddenly, from my hallway comes trotting my groggy and sleepy and wondering what in the world is going on. My son comes walking out of the hallway. Nathan, that is a fear I have not, like, during that knock on the wall scene. That's so funny. The scene when child ghosts are appearing out of nowhere, my son comes wandering out of the, like, down the hallway, and I, I... I do not know. Uh, that, like, I think I blacked out for a moment because I'm not quite sure exactly what. Like, he just like heard, it was all he, fine. He heard was people just, were playing "Knock on the Wall." He wanted to come play. You know that that that's that's awesome. I'm actually kind of thankful that happened to you because it's a great story. <laughs> and now, anytime you ever are in a conversation about the orphanage and someone's seen it, you'd be like, "Oh, let me tell you." Um, oh my gosh! So, and, in the spirit of that, let's let's bring home. Uh, 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 the preface to hashtag del Toro 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 with <laughs> bringing in Senor Pumpkins. Um, so as we do every movie we talk about, we rate these films on a metric of our own insane design, that of numbers of David S. Pumpkins, zero to five, have these count. We scale it <laughs> on the categories of um style scares and substance read i'm gonna lead and none of this will surprise you so style like nope. like it's funny re-listening i actually re-listened to our uh, shining episode and um i think on that pure metric like kubrick shining has such a specificity and peculiarity and intentionality from a filmmaking standpoint which isn't to suggest bayona's orphanage does not it's just not quite as like I don't know, Kubrickian or whatever, but so sure, the, I, again, sure. I'm, I'm sort of distinguishing between the like and the filmmaking craft at work. Although I do think of the film craft is strong. This is a five. I'm going to quit qualifying. It's a five. I love, <laughs> I love this movie. It's the third time I've seen it. I was worried it might have diminished over time. I was just as sucked in and drawn in and bought in and scared, you know, scared out of my, sure, scared out of my sure. wits this time. So go ahead. 
No, totally, totally understand. Well, and I've already, I've already talked about like the 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 massive merits that I would put around the film, and I think that yeah, I think it deserves all of them. Um, I've also talked about my complicated feelings towards it, and so do not take this as a, a reflection of its quality. I'm going to give it a four, only because of some of my complicated feelings around some of those emotional beats. But yes, so four for me. All right, and what about scares for you? Um, scares. Good Lord. Um, you know, what's funny is that none of the scares are cheap, but they're also not like so plenteous for me. I think I'm going to land on a four for scares as well, because it is it's got a great atmosphere. But I think the film has more emotional sort of components to it than it does sort of fearful ones. It's funny. I would pretty much agree with everything you just said, except that I would still land on a five because I mean, it's, it's got jump scares. It's got emotionally earned, you know, sort of tense scares. It's got the sheer, I mean, my wife, not unrightly so, being like, did you just say she accidentally killed him? Like, it's got it's got that parental sort of, I mean, it, can there be articulated a more um, paralyzing sense of fear as a parent than that happening to you? No, I yeah, really no, don't I think understand. there can be. Right, right. Um, and it's got knock on the wall. This is a five in scares all the way down. Um, so sub- right. substance is last. Honestly, this is the one I was worried I might ultimately ding down a little bit just because of my, like you, mixed feelings about the end. Sure, sure. But whether she enters the land of the dead... Whether she is a pseudo Christ figure, I have totally redeemed my mixed feelings, and I'm landing at a five on substance, brother. Right. It is a five. <laughs> you are giving it fives down the line, fives all the way down the line. Yeah, and and you know what? Uh, similarly, even though you know my my affection for it, I feel like is kind of on par with yours, but sort of just the general ways that we approach these David S. Pumpkins. I'm going to give it fours down the line right. for almost the same exact reasons. You know, it's like it's like I feel like there's a lot of merit to the film. I cannot recommend it uh you know strongly enough and uh so so that means listeners that we actually give the orphanage uh even with my qualifiers we give it nine out of ten david s pumpkin that's strong just for some just for some reference uh (laughs) stanley kubrick's the shining we gave 6.5 out of 10 david s pumpkins uh we have given the orphanage nine out of ten so take that do you know off the top of your head what else might have gotten that high Oh, I do remember uh, a film uh, by M. Night Shyamalan <laughs> called The Visit. <laughs> well, you're we going to forever reference that as, as a mild as a mild anomaly there. But are there any other like purely legitimate nines we've given out that you can remember? Uh, I think we we might have given a nine to Bone Tomahawk. Okay. Um, I think we might have given. I would need to go back and look, but I think we also might have given a nine to uh, The Witch. Uh, but I can't. But I can't quite remember. I remember uh, Alien so, was yeah. high, but I don't remember how high. Well, Alien, Alien was a solid 10. Yeah. Really? So in terms of like nines, yeah, no, Alien was a solid 10. Uh, and then what was our other solid 10? Was it Take Shelter? I think Take Shelter Maybe, was a yeah, solid 10. Yeah. Um, no, no, 7 was. Mm, 7 was, yes. a, was a solid 10. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've, we've definitely, we've, we've lauded some films that we, that we really dearly loved. But, uh, but yeah, wow. that's a solid show for the orphanage. One, two, three, knock on the wall, friend. No kidding. All right. No kidding. Well, well, that's that's uh, the beginning of this brand new series. We hope you enjoyed it. We hope you will join us next week as we dive deep on the devil's backbone. You ready? Mm. You ready, Reed?
I don't know, man, because the fear of God's the beginning of wisdom, but it's not the end of the conversation. <laughs> I don't know if I want this conversation to continue. Um, but sincerely, if you want to give us your thoughts on the orphanage or anything that we've talked about here, stay tuned for our social media cues. And yeah, we'll see you next week for Devil's Backbone. Nathan, thanks so much for having this conversation, man. Thank I appreciate you. it. See you next week, guys. Bye. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but it is not the end of the conversation. To continue this conversation, you can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God. Visit us on Facebook to comment on one of our posts or to post there yourself. You can follow Reed on Twitter at Reed Lackey. You can follow Nathan on Twitter at The Nathan Rouse. Visit MoreThanOneLesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the official episode posts. Email us at fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or a review. Thank you for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week.